Hello, my name is Matthias and welcome to the FPL Scope podcast. Today I am going to ask Kevin about his captaincy plans because I did it last week when he had Sokka as captain when we recorded the podcast. But as I suspected, he ended up with Holland as captain. So are you actually going to captain Sala this week or are you going to fool us again, Kevin? What do you have to say? No, I'll... Uh... Yeah, I think I'll captain Salah just because uh, what's the point in having Salah if you're not aiming for that game week two matchup. So for me, yeah, 100% going to captain Salah. And either way, whatever Holland does, I'll get half the points anyways. And the whole point is to potentially get more with Salah. And a lot of people don't have him. So for me... It's just the the easiest captain choice. And also, Newcastle looked good. I mean, of course, they're going to the empty hat. But regardless, I still think uh, Salah has a good chance, especially considering the fact that he was so pissed off against Chelsea after being the main catalyst for them scoring with his brilliant assist to yeah. Luis Diaz. And then Klopp clearly just being happy with getting a draw. So, yeah, selfish Salah, captain, 100%. Definitely. I, I've seen some people raise uh, concerns about Salah not potentially even playing in the in the following game, but Klopp has already said that it has it's, he's actually fine with players being angry because that's what he wants from the players to be upset about not playing. And this also happened with Salah twice, I think, in the 2021 season. And the first time it happened, it was against Brighton. He was subbed off when it was like 1-1. Um, the following game, he got one goal and one assist. So that would be good for our case because we both have Salah as captain. But... Uh, the second time it happened, because again, he was subbed off. And that was actually against Chelsea, which is the same team I was subbed off against now. And he was angry at that point as well. But after those games, or after that game, he had two blanks in a row. So it could go either way, really. But I think Salah, as long as Liverpool are good, and I think they're going to be good, especially against Bournemouth. We know they beat them 9-0 last season. Uh, I think he's going to be a great captain. But I do have to just ask you, because last week you did say that you hadn't even considered Holland as captain at all, but then you ended up with Holland as captain. So what made you change your mind in the end with Holland? I mean, the fact that he's 90% owned in <laughs> in FPL, which is a crazy number. I, I don't think that's, that's got to be the highest percentage any FPL player has had in terms of ownership. So yeah. for me, it was just towards the end of, you know, all these sort of last-minute changes, including... Uh, getting Saliba in for Gabriel, it was just sort of like, uh, yeah, I, I can't be left behind in case this happens. I, I captained him against West Ham game week one last year, and he went absolutely ham. So for me, it was just uh, sort of like, I I don't want to be left behind at the end of the day. Yeah, I did have him, and you see the screenshots yourself, I did have him with until roughly a half an hour to go or something like that. So yeah. I did have Saka as captain for the longest time, and I wouldn't have been that hurt if I had gone with Saka in the end, because still got a respectable yeah, only three points amount less. of points. It's just six. It's just a six point swing at the end of the day, which is uh, you know much better than some people who captain Rashford, including my two cousins. So there you go. Yeah, I mean it's only a three point swing to be honest, because you get you get twenty points with because uh, you get what what is it twenty and thirty? Oh, yeah, twenty plus thirteen, or you get. 26 yes, plus technically 10. three, yeah. So yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, you also mentioned last podcast. I, I should mention that as well. That you mentioned that I might change. You said that you you said that you might change your mind and and uh, because of the ownership thing. So, so yeah, you are technically speaking the truth. I think sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I think it's uh, I think it's a wise decision for me. Obviously, we can say that in hindsight because Holland got more points. But you on top of that, you have the fact that you are going with Sal as captain this this week. So you have a differential captain already. So you don't really need to differentiate that much in game one. So. But either way, speaking about your team, we can actually just move on to to your game of one team and your score because it was a really good game week for you. So, so yeah, you mentioned some late changes. Uh, I gotta mention that before uh, you get to talk. Uh, but yeah, we got some news about Guardiola not starting. He was like one of our favorites because he's going to start most games from now on, I think, at least. Um, so yeah, with the Guardiola news or Guardiola not starting made you go down from him to Tarkovsky because that could make you go for Onana in goal rather than Pickford. Uh, which ended up being good for you. And then we also got the news about uh, Gabriel and Saliba, that Gabriel would be benched, and then Saliba seemed like the most obvious change in that regard. Um, so what do you feel about the, the late changes? Anything you'd like to do differently? And uh, and what do you think about the team in general? You got 86 points, so yeah, you must be happy, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you know, Martinelli only got two points more than Eze, and if I had gone with Eze, it would have meant that I would have most likely have gone with Chilwell as well because I knew that he was a popular pick and obviously he's just playing at left wing. Like the heat map and everything that we've seen so far has just been absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe that he was pretty much playing as Neymar, just just playing <laughs> on the left wing. He was more useful in attack than Rashford was for Man United in 90 minutes, which is to me, crazy that a left back was doing this. So, yeah, I think Chilwell would have been the only difference that I would have probably made and should have, frankly speaking, made. Yes, maybe I would have considered benching Chilwell because I know a lot of people did and got lucky because Stones didn't play or this person didn't play and then Chilwell came in. But regardless, I think Chilwell looked like a must-own. Me and you privately have spoken about Chelsea and you know sort of hopes and uh what we think that they can achieve for the season i'm very high on them after yeah. seeing them in that draw against the liverpool i think once nicholas jackson gets going and, and kunku gets in and all these things and now that they got romeo uh lavia as well and mm-hmm. they got um Caicedo, yeah i think they're gonna be a very very fierce side and mm-hmm. if that's the case you gotta have the players that can do the business for them so yeah definitely chill well and we'll go into that a little bit more in detail in just yeah. a sec we're going to talk about chelsea quite a lot and uh but yeah that's why i'm kind of surprised that you had no chelsea players because you are much higher on chelsea than i am because i think i had them yeah. eighth in my table prediction you had them fifth um so yeah. you're pretty high on them i have chill well uh but you you don't but you like you said you had the potential option you had was going from martinelli to Eze and then tarkovsky to chill well I, I presume because you'd have 1.5 more if you went from Martinelli to Eze, and then you could do use one of that million for Tarkovsky to Chilwell. Yeah. And that would leave you with 0.5 in the bank as well. So I think, yeah, that's probably the one thing you could have done differently. But in the end, 86 points, really happy with, with your squad, I'm, I'm assuming. And, uh, and yeah, there's a couple of other things, but we'll get to that when we get to, to your, your plans for the next game week and stuff uh, that we can talk about how you potentially might change your team. But... But yeah, I think it was a good game week for you in general. You ended up with, uh, yeah, Holland and Saka, the two both like highest scoring players on your team. And Buemo looked good, got a penalty. Joe Pedro looked good, got a penalty. 
uh, pretty pretty happy with that. Uh, I had both of those players as well. Estepina looked fantastic, got seven points for you, and Onana with the, <laughs> the lucky nine points. Uh, so yeah, what what do you make of the of the Man United players? I'm just gonna ask you that. What do you make of the Man United players or Man United in general? Do you think it was just like a bad game, or do you think it's more like a potential trend for them? I'm not frozen. I just <laughs> it didn't look great. Like they did not. Wambisaka passed the eye test. He looked amazing. So yeah, when we're going into Kimo's <laughs> team in a second, and let's actually I just move problems. on to that. Actually, just look yeah. at. Kimo's team because he actually had uh, Wambisaka. Kimo's obviously our third founding member of the FPL Scope, but he doesn't have the time to be a regular member this season. But we're going to go through his team as well uh, anyway. But yeah, he has Wambisaka. But yeah, continue. Yeah, Manchester United look terrible. I'm yeah. going to be completely honest. We all know that it should have been a penalty. They say, you know, it's, it wasn't a play, um, you know, oh, you know, the ball wasn't in play, blah, blah, blah. But he still clattered him like crazy. So, yeah. and Apparently, Tchaikovsky clattered the hell out of Bern Lano, and that was so. Which what is it? Are they both valid or are they both not valid? So that's uh, that becomes a thing. So Man United look terrible. I think a lot of it had to do was with the sort of dysfunctional way they were playing. There were Rashford kind of looked lost, so he'd play down the middle, then he'd go into left wing, and things just looked terrible. I thought. Anthony sort of had a eh game. I thought Bruno Fernandes was pretty lackluster. Mason mm. Mount, yeah, clearly confidence issues because he, mm. like, I saw a tweet, you know, where you <laughs> you know there was a guy who uh, got onto the pitch and is like random guy ran onto the pitch and someone said well that's not very nice to say about Mason Mount <laughs> and I was just like yeah because he looked he just looked terrible so yeah. I am very very um, conflicted because I I thought it would be the reverse way of looking at things so I thought Chelsea were going to be the team that would play the way Man United played and Man United would have played the way Chelsea did don't get me wrong they got the three points they scored Varane <laughs> all that bullshit but still they, they they didn't play well so for me i'm very 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 much um against doubling up on their attack and you know or midfield in the sense that i've seen you know people get bruno and rashford and all this type of stuff so yeah it wasn't great but one bisaka was spectacular so if there's one person yeah. i could consider bringing in from man united it might be one bisaka but i don't like doubling up on uh, defenders so I don't want to yeah. have Onana and one yeah. uh, Bissaka but maybe there's a question of me being able to save money if I change Onana to someone else and bring one Bissaka in so yeah I, I mean, think yeah it, it worked out for your draft team where you have Onana, Varan, and one Bissaka in the same team <laughs> so, got 89 yeah. points it got more than my regular team. <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, Kimo is one of the ones who had Wambisaka. Wambisaka is actually someone that I spoke about more than most people actually in preseason as someone that mm. you should consider because he's 4.5 and he is mostly nailed. I think like there is obviously a competition with Diogo Dalot and Dalot is a fantastic right back in his own right. But I think Wambisaka is like kind of the clear number one option and he's, he's going to be benched for the whole game if he is benched. So there's not going to be any like one point cameos if he's not starting. And then if you have a good bench, then no issues really. Uh, with Wambisaka for me. 
Um, so yeah, Kimo ended up getting Wambataka. He had some some late changes. He was between like two different teams, uh, also affected a bit by the Guardiol news because he was also high on Guardiol before the news that he wasn't going to start game week one. But what he ended up doing was not him as well. Didn't go with Chilwell and went with Wambataka instead, and that made him have enough money to go from Madison to Martinelli. But we'll see what happens with uh, with the team for Kimo. But he did end up end up with twelve points for Wambataka. He did not have one on nine goal though, so he got only two points from Pickford there. And obviously, Madison scored more than Martinelli as well, and looked looked a bit better. Uh, I think Spurs looked a bit better. I don't know. Like, what do you make of the whole Arsenal thing? Because I I think a lot of people have like said that oh Arsenal weren't that good and stuff. They had obviously less xG than Nottingham Forest, but I think that's mostly down to them being two 0 up pretty early and they didn't really have to chase the game. They they were pretty much in control until Elanga had that fantastic run. And passed to Avani, who scored the the 2-1 goal. Uh, so, yeah, what do you make of the Arsenal performance uh, as well? Like, do you think it's as bad as people say? Or do you have any worries about Arsenal? They have a lot of new players as well joining the team. And they did some weird things with Gabriel out and party in at right back and stuff. So, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think partially Arteta did the pep thing of overthinking things a bit too much. I think mm-hmm. that was the main thing. That caused a little bit of issues, but other than that, I thought Arsenal were per- perfectly fine. Arsenal, who conceded in a in a two one win, still convinced me way more than Man United, mm. who were playing Wolves and you know should have maybe conceded twice or three times. So for me, I think uh, I don't know if it's because they played the Community Shield or whatever it was, but yes, I do think that they were. A step below what they can be and especially if they want to win the league and blah 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 but i don't think it's uh alarm bells currently to be honest yeah so yeah kimo had a pretty good score as well he got 87 points one point more than you two points less than me but hey i'm not here to brag uh but it's also quite a bit less than the next guy on our uh on our screens and that is the manager of the week in our mini league because you can join our mini league the league code is V9JT0D. And if you do that and you are the best manager of the past game week, you get featured on the podcast. And that's what happened with Hustler and Kubu, who got 101 points. And that is mostly due to him having Holland as triple captain. And 13 points from your triple captain, equaling in 39 points in total. I think that's more than good, especially for someone cap- triple captaining a single gaming player. I, I would never do that personally, but with 13 points, you have to be happy about that. And then he had Isak as well with 13 points. Akanji, which was kind of a differential pick for six points. So yeah, decent team, but he made some weird decisions as well. So so yeah, what sticks out to you with, with uh, this guy's team, Kevin? I mean, I don't understand why he benched Estupinion, <laughs> where all of us who have him started him. So I find that frankly a bit weird um man i kind of wish he did the everyone should bench boost in game week one thing because that would have been <laughs> yeah. i mean he got super lucky with leno but still uh yeah i i think he should have potentially a bench wellbeck because we didn't even know if wellbeck was going to be the yeah. starter and everything like that so personally i think estipinian being benched uh was a i mean i guess you could say in hindsight but we all who have a stupid dad started him. So I think it was a bit of a, a silly mistake. Um, yeah. Again, I have, I think, Odegaard down the line will be the best, like, 
second option to Saka, but I think in when Martinelli is available, I think you could have gone with Saka and uh, Martinelli. But you know, other than that, I he did an excellent job. He's like the good shout. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might be fixture proof. We'll find out. But personally, I'm looking to get in his like a little bit later. I didn't like the upcoming fixtures and stuff like that. But of course, against Aston Villa, he always has the opportunity to score, and he scored twice. And I mean, I guess you could say he was lucky to get the second goal, but the second goal was brilliant and very traditional and trademark. Isak, who scored a goal like that against Barcelona in his final La Liga game. So, yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who's just listening, whether you are having it on YouTube and just listening, or if you're listening through as a podcast, uh, the bench for for the manager of the week is Leno in goal as the bench to goalkeeper with 12 points on the bench. And then he has Granacho with three points, Aurier with one point. And then Estepinian, as I said, with seven points. So yeah, definitely could have started Estepinian over over Welbeck. But at the same time, Estepinian had one point when the game reached 90 minutes played. And then he had the assist and got the bonus points, obviously. So it could have been it could have been less. But I think in general, Welbeck, not really like a long-term fantasy pick. Fun differential for game week one, I guess. And we don't even have to use him game week two and can sell him game week three or game week two even, which we'll get to when we talk about this this guy's um, future plans. Potentially. But yeah, use the triple captaincy on Holland. 13 points, all good. Isak, kind of wish I had Isak personally as well, just because I like him so much. But that's also why I had Isak towards the end of the last season when he kind of disappointed the final like six, seven, eight game weeks when Callum Wilson was the one starting most games as the striker. So that's always the fear with Isak on top of the bad fixtures that he's not going to play striker all the time. And he was still subbed off after like 60 something minutes as well. Granted, they were up by like 4-1 or something at that point, or 3-1, I think. Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, fun team. Fun to see like a different team and fun to see that guy reach number one. But it could be someone else next week. So like I said, if you want to be featured as the manager of the week, you can just join the mini league with the week code. I'm going to remind you once again at the end of this podcast when we're going to look at this uh, this manager of the week's plans for next game week. We also did some predictions last uh, podcast. This is something we're going to do every single game week this season, and that is trying to break the scores, the results and scorelines of the matches in the upcoming game week. And uh, yeah, this is uh, where you outshine me by quite a margin, because you had 9 out of 10 correct results, as in the win, lose, or draw. You got, got it correct. The only one you had incorrect was <laughs> your favorite team, Everton, losing against Fulham. But... Everton were the much better side. They got a goal disallowed that was perfectly fine goal. Never should have been disallowed. And they just looked a lot better than Fulham. So even that game, I think you should have had correctly. So so yeah, is this just something we can expect from you going forward in terms of the results? Or do you feel like <laughs> your gut a bit lucky with this? I think it's a little bit of both. I think some of the matches were quite easy to predict. Yeah. Um, I think I was a bit more generous towards the teams that you are more harsh against. So for example, Spurs, you were like, oh, they're gonna, you know, you're just like immediately, they're gonna lose, they're gonna, they're gonna and all this bullshit. And I was just like, let's wait. I mean, to be honest, they should have lost if Mbwemo had put away his uh, final chats. Yeah. I got up whilst watching the game with uh, some uh, peeps and I got up went towards the tv because i'm like yep he's tapping this in and he missed and everyone just gave me so much shit yeah. and i was just like oh god oh, this, this hurts this hurts quite a bit so 
Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's what it kind of boils down to. Because um, yeah, I mean, we got okay. You thought Newcastle Aston Villa was going to be a draw, um, yeah. so I went with the home advantage there. You went Brighton. We're going to uh, lose as well, which draw. I figured uh, or draw. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was a bit but, preemptive there. Like I have more belief in Luton than most, but that's mostly at home, I think, and they're not playing at home. So I really but hilariously, I had more belief in West Ham than you. Did. Yeah, you. That's that's the one correct scoreline you got. That was West Ham one yeah. one against Bournemouth. Really should have been exactly. one 0 West Ham to be honest. But but yeah, I predicted two 0 for Bournemouth because I was not impressed by West Ham's preseason. But pretty happy with what I saw from West Ham personally in that first game week as well. So. Yeah, not impressed with what I saw from my own uh, predictions though. So that's going to be get, get that's going to get better for for next week for sure. I went a bit like rogue with like Luton with a draw and stuff uh, just because it's more fun. But I'm going to be more cynical and try to be more just like this is the correct result sort of thing in the future. And speaking of the future predictions, let's just go straight into them. Um, we can talk a little bit about each game, but we can just basically just gloss over the the like easy to predict, predict games uh, on paper at least so Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United first we have the same exact prediction that's 2-0 for Nottingham Forest I think that's going to be my prediction for every Sheffield United game really just 2-0 for the other team <laughs> pretty much um, yeah really not much to say about that Sheffield United showed absolutely nothing against Crystal Palace to, to make me believe in them more but they made some decent signings now they, they got Ben Hammer or Ben Hamer or whatever from uh, was it Coventry he came from yeah uh, who was like their second best player behind Gokeres, uh, the striker. Uh, he's only 5.0 in, in FPL as well, so maybe he becomes an option in the future, in the long distant future. But they made some some okay signings uh, since selling their be- two best players. But yeah. Uh, next game is again, we have the same prediction Fulham Brentford. We have 2 1 for Brentford. Um, yeah, you, you I, I assume you watched Everton against Fulham. So what, what do you make of Fulham in, in the first game weekend? Why do you think Brentford will win 2-1? And do you think it might be a different result? Or do you think it might be more for Brentford? Like, what are you leaning more towards? A bigger Brentford win or potentially a draw? No, it, I think uh, for me it was just Fulham were terrible. They le- le- legitimately scored off the one chance that they had. Um, Lando was the best player by far, which says a lot about how far... I feel that Everton have come in terms of just where we were a year ago or where we were last season. So I'm quite encouraged by us, even though the fact that we lost. Uh, However, I wasn't encouraged by Fulham at all. So for me, I think it's just that Brentford looked better in the eye test, and that's why I believe that they'll edge him. I still think Fulham will score at home. I think there's a little bit of there's something missing there in Brentford. I don't know what it is. Like I felt that um, had Romero maybe finished the game that maybe Spurs could have actually edged them out. Cause I felt that Spurs lost a lot when Romero went out. So yeah. uh, including, you know, uh, Van um, getting quite unlucky and he didn't score an own goal, but it was his deflection that cost the goal and ball to go in. Um, so for me, yeah, I think, Brentford is going to edge it. I think Wissa looked good. I think Abuama uh, looked great in the match as well. Probably pissed off that he didn't score that second goal as well. So, yeah, I think Brentford will edge it out. Um, and, yeah, we can go into Liverpool-Bournemouth. We both think that there's it's going to be a three-goal margin. Yeah. I just think that Solanke is going to be so lucky again. 
and that's why yeah. I think he's the only person who I think is capable of scoring for the team, and I think he's going to get some lucky goal against them. I hope so, because I hate Liverpool. I hope Liverpool actually lose the game, but I am conflicted because I have Mosala, so yeah. in terms of FPL, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty clear Liverpool win in, in our eyes. I think Bournemouth looked decent against West Ham, but at the same time, West Ham got a couple of big chances against Bournemouth. I know that's not necessarily reflected in the XG uh, because West Ham had a big chance where Antonio like barely didn't touch the ball, and that meant that the XG wasn't really accounted for Antonio in that, in that case. But, but yeah, I think um, yeah, I think a three-goal margin for Liverpool seems kind of likely, but at the same time, and uh, Iriola didn't really lose that much against like the bigger teams at least in La Liga so maybe that happens again but we'll see we both have high ups for Salah then we have a huge win for Brighton both of us against Wolves I admit I did this prediction before the Wolves Man United game and I think Wolves looked a lot better than I expected and maybe Gary O'Neill is is the type of guy that deserves the manager of the year plaudits that he got towards the end of last season because Wolves looked really good like after looking pretty tame and boring under Lopetegui I think they looked way more frisky than than what I remember in any game last season. So, so yeah, what do you make of the the Wolves team? And and you still have Brighton winning because Brighton looked amazing as well against at Luton. So, what do you make of that game in general? Do you think it could be closer, like Wolves showed against um, Man United? Because you had Man United Wolves three 0 for Man United as well. Yeah, I, I I am very impressed and annoyed, <laughs> considering the fact that it scared me that they could have drawn or even won the game against Man United. They looked that good. So mm. so for me, I think 3-1 is more reflective of that in the sense that I still think that Brighton are going to edge them out because they got a good home win and they have the players. They got the thing. I think the biggest thing about Wolves is they sold Raul Jimenez. They don't even start Fabio Silva, who I think should be starting because I've always, yes, he's an FM talent and I have some bias towards that. And it's always been brilliant for me and football manager, but I still think he's quality. So I think he is the man to replace Raul Jimenez. And had Fabio Silva played from the start, they might have actually gone something, which is mm. why I think that it's going to reflect in them scoring a goal uh, against Brighton. Because Brighton yeah. also switch off a little bit towards the they end do. of the game. So uh, that's why I think it's going to be at least only a two goal margin but it wouldn't shock me if Wolves somehow got a result in this because they looked really good against Man United yeah they did for sure especially Matthias Cunha looked fantastic but as always with Wolves and Cunha for for that matter they suck at, suck at finishing kind of like Everton uh, yeah then you have, yeah. have Spurs Man United and once again you have more faith in Spurs than I do because you have a 2-1 Spurs win against Man United while I have 2-2 I think it's going to be quite a lot of goals in this match so that's why I have 2-2 um, in this match, but uh, but yeah, you have Spurs taking home the win in this match. So, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I originally wanted to do two two as well, and uh, uh, has to be said, we didn't. I didn't see Matthias's uh, predictions, and he didn't see mine before we did this. Yep. He did his prediction, then asked me, yep. and I did mine. So uh, he only saw mine after he had done his. Um, so I did actually want to write two two as well, but I don't know. I just I just think that Spurs might feel a bit hard done by that they didn't uh, win or yeah. anything like that. They were a bit sloppy and stuff like that. They're going to be at home. Hurricane's gone. 
they they seem to be okay and without Kane. Some might argue, would they have won the game with Kane? Maybe, maybe not. You don't know how they would have played. Mm. Um, but I think Richarlison didn't have the best game, but, you know, Ange seems to be a huge fan of him and yeah. say like, oh, you know, he'll get his chances. I think he's going to have a big season for us this year. Mm. And all this type of stuff, stuff that, you know, you never hear out of Conte's mouth. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. so I think, and I think Son, especially who caused the penalty and all this type of stuff, we, we can argue about whether it was a soft penalty or not all day long, but at the end of the day, he caused the penalty. And I think he don't want to make an impression. Madison's already gone off to a great start as well. So yeah. I, and because of how Man United played in that first game, yes, is great. So, it could be the differential here, but I still think for whatever reason, the Spurs might edge them. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tight game. I think it go, could go either way, really. And uh, I'm also interested to see Man United and especially Rashford, how he responds. And especially if they move Rashford to the left wing and then have someone else as striker rather than having Garnacho, who was absolutely awful against Wolves. Uh, that might affect them positively as well. So, so yeah, we'll see. That's one of the most interesting games for me, I think. And another interesting game, which because it's actually pretty nicely set up, especially on the Saturday, we have three matches at uh, 3 p.m. for anyone in England, but 4 p.m. for us in Scandinavia. And then you have like a later game with Spurs Man United. And then finally, the latest game is Man City against Newcastle, which is going to start at 8 p.m. for anyone watching in the UK. Um, that's also an interesting game because Newcastle looked fantastic, amazing against Aston Villa beat them 5-1. I, th- I thought that was going to be a draw and Newcastle just dismantled uh, Aston Villa. But you still have a 3-1 convincing win for Man City. Even though they are still currently, as we're recording this, they are 1-1. They actually equalized against Sevilla, but 1-1 after 71 minutes against Sevilla. Um, why do you think they can beat Newcastle 3-1 after what Newcastle showed against Aston Villa? No idea. I don't know why I broke three one after I sent you the whole thing. I was like, why did I say three? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know why I said that Everton will get three nil. Like, yeah, I I think maybe I meant to flip it, but even then, that's incorrect. I think what I really wanted to write was three one three one, um, and then got confused or something. Holland. This, yeah, this, yeah, I mean, you're Salah over Holland though, so yeah, but I still think Holland will do like, at least score once or twice. So, yeah, to be fair, you have, I don't know, you have four Liverpool goals, so maybe Salah scores four and uh, Holland scores three, and then everyone wins except the people <laughs> who don't have Salah. No, but for me, I think I don't know what I'm thinking, I don't know why I put 3 1 down to be completely honest. I think I might have just gone like, ah, let's be renegade, let's not. Because I think I was too harsh on City against Burnley, thinking, oh, you know, Burnley might show something because they're in the prem. Nope. Um, So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, you know what? Let's just just say this. City want to continue their dominance, and if they win the Super Cup as well, great. You know, then they're going to be super amped and go for it. If they lose the Super Cup, they're going to get super amped like they did against Burnley. So... (laughs) That's that's what I'm going to put out. They are very good at the empty hat. And, you know, they, I mean, they scored six past uh, Man United not too long ago. So, yeah, you know what? They got to go with belief. They got to go with beating Newcastle. They'll do it. I, I think Newcastle, uh, 
they look great to be honest uh but i think five one was a bit flattering no yeah uh, it was a bit flattering and aston villa too like i was really confused by their tactics because they had a super high line and not that very quick defenders as well so they left a lot of space for newcastle to just go into and i think aston villa tried to go like kind of gung-ho and just try to get a result by attacking and then it backfired with them conceding a couple goals so so yeah, it was a bit flattering, but but yeah, I think also Man City could potentially beat Newcastle three one. Like they uh, they did pretty well against Newcastle last season, three uh, three in that opening like game week three game. Uh, but yeah, I have that as a two one Man City win. So I also have a Man City win, but I think it's going to be really close. It might be kind of like the game between Liverpool and Newcastle last season, where New or Liverpool just eked out a win right at like injury time. I think it might be something close like that, but it's it's interesting to see Man City and how they're going to cope without Kevin De Bruyne and stuff as well. Scardola said himself that like two or three matches, it's easy to to go without De Bruyne, but over the long haul, it's going to be difficult. So, so yeah, I think that's a really interesting game, and uh, especially it's going to be really interesting to see how good Newcastle are after that opening game five one win over Aston Villa. But yeah, I have that I have that as a two one win for Man City. The next match on the Sunday, the first match of the Sunday, is Aston Villa against Everton. And I have 3-1 for Aston Villa. And you have gone completely against your own team. And you have 3-0 for Aston Villa against Everton. I have no idea why I wrote that. I mean, I think we're going to lose, right? Just because Aston Villa always beat us. They beat us at Goodison. They beat us at uh, Villa Park. I fucking hate them, okay? I'm just going to go out and say it. I hate Liverpool with a passion. I hate them the most, but I hate United. I do. I do. But I can be unbiased when talking about them. I don't like Villa. They always have ag against us. I don't really... I didn't have ag against them until they came back. When they came back, they started to be a thorn on my side. They took Digne away from me. They're pieces of shit, okay? But they always beat us. There's no Bundia this time because Bundia always scored against us. Yeah. He's not. He's not going to score a fucking header against us. He's Leon Bailey's still there and his replacement. Yeah. Anyways. Um. So yeah, I think uh, I would like to amend it to three one because yeah, I that's think, what I have. Uh, or even two one. I would two. even like to say two, but for me, it's very dependent on Calvert Lewin playing or not. I really detest everything that Mopai is going through in terms of like the social media hate and stuff like that. Mm. I would never do that. Yeah. And I hate the fact that he's gone death threats and stuff like that. That's yeah. uh, asinine at that uh, this point. Come on, people have to grow up. However, I, I am aware that it's completely affecting his play. And I don't want to say this. I'm going to always show backing whilst he plays, but I don't believe he's good enough for the team. I'm sorry. Uh, no. It doesn't hold a candle to uh, Calvert-Lewin. And if we, if Danjuma's fit, I'd rather play Danjuma as a center forward or as a striker over him as well. I would even give uh, Chimitri a chance over him as well. So, mm. yeah. Um, if Mopai's leading the... Let, let me put it this way. If Mopai's starting, it's 3-0. If Calvert-Lewin's starting... It's three one two one. Okay. I still think we're gonna lose. Fair enough. And if it's the flip flop of what happened last time that I got it wrong and Everton won, I win either way. So yeah. True. 
And uh, yeah, I also hope Mopai leaves, but it's for an entirely different reason. Because, like you said, Aston Villa is a thorn in Everton's side, and Mopai is a thorn in West Ham's side. Because <laughs> the only goal he scored for Everton so far is against West Ham, the winning goal last season. Uh, yep. So yeah, uh, I don't want to see that again. But by all accounts, new Mopai is also like just to back off or back up the the point you had. By all accounts, he's a really nice guy and stuff as well. Like I've heard people that have met him, and he was like the the nicest guy to them and stuff. So any stuff that he's going through in terms of like hate and stuff that should stop for sure but but yeah like i said as a footballer maybe not good enough for the premier league but who knows like he's had a couple of nice moments in the premier league in the past at least so yeah we'll get to see with the with Mopai's future but speaking of west ham we have uh, the game between west ham and chelsea as the final game for the super sunday matches and uh I have West Ham losing 2-0 again, like I did last week against Bournemouth. This time it's against a tougher opposition, but it's also at home, so that might help a little bit. And West Ham have had some pretty good results against Chelsea the last 10 years, basically. Uh, yeah. Well, you have 2-1 for Chelsea, so you have a pretty tight game. So what do you make of this game? Like You have pretty much, like, you have a lot of faith in Chelsea, but you still think it's going to be a tight game. Is this more out of hope because you don't have Chilwell that you want West Ham to score, or is it something that you actually think is going to happen? A little bit of both. I, I think Bowen's been in really good form, and yeah. for him to score in his first game back into the Prem is just um, translation of the preseason form that he's got. And he's got the confidence. He's looking sort of like the Bowen uh, that he was just two seasons ago or the three seasons ago. Um, two seasons ago. Yeah, two seasons ago. And, you know, he's uh, he's just been improving ever since you know got to win the conference league score the winning goal there too so he's just been in decent form ever since so that's mainly it and i also think that chelsea still need a little bit more time to gel mm. obviously we're not 100 percent sure what's going on in terms of um, maybe caicedo will start and if caicedo starts it could easily be a 2-0 because then they've sort of got that little more backing because yeah, you know, people had all these um, discussions about, you know, oh, does Enzo have enough help? And now it's like, oh, Enzo has more than enough help. He's, they've maybe got the best midfield in the Premier League. So if Lavia and Caicedo, you know, lace up and everything, then I can easily see it being 2-0. But yeah. other than that, Chelsea do have some deficiencies in terms of defending because, you know, Thiago Silva class player and all this type of stuff but he's still on the you know retiring sort of phase towards his career rather than you know being the young buck that he once was and DeSassi was great I thought he had an amazing game against Liverpool but I still think it's going to take time for them to fully tell so that's why I think yes they'll still grab a win but it's going to be close yeah for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, even though I have Chilwell, obviously I want West Ham to win every game. So I'm hoping that West Ham will pull this out. But I don't know. Stranger things have happened. And Chelsea aren't like that big of a juggernaut. Like they got a draw against Liverpool, but a lot of teams could get results against Liverpool as well. So, so yeah, I think Chelsea will win. But I also not entirely writing off West Ham either because I think potentially Edson Alvarez and Ward Prowse might play this game as well for West Ham. Uh, we're not getting Maguire now, but we might get Mavroponos or what his name is uh, from Stuttgart, who is actually looking pretty good in the Bundesliga, the former Arsenal centre-back. But speaking of Arsenal, that's the final game of the game week. They play on the Monday against Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace... What? what? Are you joking? 
Are you guys seriously looking at him? He's like, he's everything you hate in a defender. Good luck. <laughs> okay. I don't know. He's getting a lot he, of like, no. He's been. He, don't get me wrong. He's had a. He's had great development in the Bundesliga, but if you look at some of the goals that Stuttgart have conceded, it is exactly the sort of play that you'd be like, "Why the hell did he do that?" So. Just warning you ahead of time if you yeah, guys actually get fair it. Fair enough. I mean, that's sort of been the case with Maguire as well for Man United. Like, what the yeah, hell are you doing? So, <laughs> so I guess we get sort of like for like in that case. And we do have Aguero and Suma as well already. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what West Ham do in terms of the three-back line or what they do. Bowen potentially has a striker. That's also something we got to discuss in future podcasts and stuff when West Ham's fixtures get a little better. A little better. But yeah, before we move on to the fixtures, which is actually the next segment, um, Crystal Palace against Arsenal just quickly... We both have a win for Arsenal. I have 2-1 for Arsenal. You have 2-0. Um, what do you think of this? Uh, Palace looked really good in game week one, but it was against Sheffield United. Arsenal looked a bit more like eh against Nottingham Forest, but at the same time, they scored two really nice goals. So, so yeah, do you think this, uh, this is an easy win for Arsenal, or, or do you think it will be close? No, I don't think it's going to be an easy win. I just think that there's going to be a reaction for the goal that they conceded, which is why I think Arsenal are going to be a little bit more sharper towards... This game, I feel that, especially now with Timber out as well, there's going to be more strategy in the way that they play, and I think that's going to benefit Arsenal. It sounds like a weird thing to say, like as if I'm trying to say that Timber was a was a, sort of like a thorn in their side or uh, some a hindrance. He wasn't, not at all. But like I think Arteta will sort of take his. Um, head out of his ass and not play Partey at a right center back, back yeah. or right back sort of thing. So I think some of that sort of, I got to out pep pep by being Arteta ball. Uh, I think that's just not going to happen. I also think that it'd be interesting to see if David Raya gets into the team. Cause if David Raya gets into the team, I definitely think they'll keep the clean sheet. I don't think so. I think He's waiting for Ramsdale to make a mistake to be like, see, this is why I brought. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but don't get me wrong. It could easily end up being 2-1. Uh, as a, of course, Edward mm-hmm. scoring is huge for them as well. I mean, I I would have taken Edward in a heartbeat for Everton as well. So, yeah, I think Arsenal should edge it. It's going to be close. Yeah. So even 2-0, 2-1, yeah. I'm yeah. not predicting a big one. It's going to be close. Yeah, we're going to move on to the future game weeks and uh, we got to look at the best fixtures potential for every team in the Premier League. That's what we have here in this table and atop the table is Chelsea and we've mentioned Chelsea previously in this podcast already but you don't have a single Chelsea player currently in your squad and I think that's yes. going to change by game week three. So how many Chelsea players would you have had in your squad now if you could choose freely and which Six. players, which three players would it be? I'll be completely honest with you. You know that I wanted Nkunku more than anything in yeah. life. So you had him every draft until he got injured. Yeah. So pretty much, I think the issue is had Nkunku never got injured, I probably would have gone with Nkunku and Chilwell. But it's the minute that Nkunku went, I was like, I got to see how Chelsea play first. And I think also the Chilwell thing just ended up um, being like always oh, playing Liverpool and West Ham. You know. One's a derby, uh, one's a match against West Ham. <laughs> no, but one, one, you know, it's Chelsea-Liverpool that 
has ended nil nil and draws and blah blah blah. But I still felt that they were going to concede. Yep. The West Ham game, anything can happen. But past that, I was just like, yep, I want Nicholas Jackson. I want Chilwell. So those are the okay. two players I'm thinking already. I want to give you guys a little bit of a curveball uh, mm-hmm. by saying my third pick might even be uh, Enzo. Um, yeah. Because I don't know if people noticed this, but Chilwell and Reese James took no corners. Enzo took all of them. Yeah. Enzo has a 100% penalty record and apparently he's looked really good on penalties in training as well. And he's taking free kicks. He can. We know from the World Cup that he can score from range as well. He has an eye for an assist. I think if you're looking for a cheap enabler to be able to mm-hmm. afford some of these other players, I think Enzo is somewhere, someone you can look for. I want to um, pat myself in the back uh, because in a video we did earlier, I talked about how Tonali could be yeah. an easy option and he scored straight away. Mm-hmm. And I think largely that's because Eddie Howe knows how to play him to his strengths then Pioli I'll be honest I think Pioli is super overrated yes he won the Serie A but that's more because Inter threw the league away rather than AC Milan being super impressive so um, and I think Tonali is going to be a bit more like the Brescia um, Tonali that we're was it Brescia? it is Brescia right? yeah I think so same same as Pirlo yeah so yeah it was Brescia Uh, so what he was like at Brescia was this guy Exactly. He was Pirlo, basically. He was scoring a lot. He was assisting a lot. He was taking all the free kicks, penalties, everything. Whilst that, Milan, he showed a little bit of it, but not fully. So, yeah. I mean, I'm completely detracting now. But all I'm yeah. saying is, if you want an offshoot player, maybe Enzo someone to to look at. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting for your team in particular, or, or our teams, basically, because we have Salah. And the the closer we get to game three, the more I'm thinking like maybe I want to keep Salah long term, especially seeing yeah, how course. how bad defensively Aston Villa work. Because Aston Villa is there, as you can see from the Liverpool fixtures there, they're Bournemouth now. Obviously, we were going to captain Salah, but then they have Newcastle away, which is where I was looking into potentially selling Salah. But post that game and Newcastle, like they conceded against uh, Villa, and defensively they didn't really look like that good potentially. But after that, it's Aston Villa at home, which might be easier to score against than than we expected. Especially with Tara Minks now, even though we don't rate him that highly, he was he's, he was an important player for Aston Villa. Then they have Wolves away. Wolves conceded against Man United. They look better than they expected, but still, pretty easy game. And then West Ham at home, where Salah always scores. So, especially for us who have Salah and might consider to keep Salah long term, Enzo might be like the the guy that we get in for any of the mid- midfielders that is struggling. So maybe rather than for me going from Salah to someone like uh, Madison, for example, maybe I go someone like Rashford if he continues to look bad to someone like Enzo just to to free up that extra space to get Nicholas Jackson and get some of the other interesting players up front. So yeah, I think that's a really good shout actually with, with Enzo Fernandes. And we still don't know who's going to be on penalties. It might be Reese James. But speaking of Reese James, you didn't mention him. What do you think about him as a prospect? Because obviously he played kind of like going back even though they, he, he played in a back four, but he played super offensively and he had two chances created, I think, and really could have had an assist for Nick Jackson as well if Jackson just would have finished it properly. So what do you think of, of Rhys James? He has injury issues, of course. He is potentially playing further back at some points, potentially. He has been the type to like cut in and be like the third centre-back kind of thing, like he did with uh, Tuchel back in the day. Um, so yeah, what do you think about Rhys James? Do you think he's someone 
that's in consideration or is it just the injury issues and stuff that's putting you off with him? No, he's definitely in consideration. I would still say Chilwell's higher simply because of positioning, like you said. Um, Chilwell thinks he is uh, listed as a midfielder forward in the game, so obviously he's just playing out of his skin and not playing a left back, whilst Reese James is actually having to put a defensive shift in. Not saying that Chilwell doesn't defend, but if you look at the heat map, it sort of feels like he doesn't. My only issue with Reese James is just to sort of how because for him to be gassed in game week one of the Premier League because that's what uh, Pochettino said it wasn't mm. an injury he just ran out of steam yeah it's clearly the opposite of Alexander Isak Alexander Isak's like I'm in the best physical shape I don't feel any injuries I don't blah 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 it seems like maybe Rich James isn't fully match fit yet so that's the only thing that's putting me off I don't think he's it, I don't want to say he's injury prone because he is, because he's massively injury prone. Yeah. But I think now it's more about match fitness, and you got to go with the player that's going to get the most minutes, anyways, and that's Chilwell at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear options. Chilwell is like the main Chelsea have to get at the moment. Yeah. It seems like, and for good reason, he's playing so attacking, like so offensively. Nick Jackson as well, really good striker option. But there are some other good striker options as well. Mainly Julian Alvarez, who just came on not too long ago. I'm watching City as we speak. It's going into injury time as I'm speaking right now. I'm hoping for extra time so Holland gets to play even more minutes and gets tired before the Newcastle game. But um, Alvarez, potentially. Kevin De Bruyne got injured. He's out until the new year, most likely. And I looked back at last season because I, like, I thought I remembered that Alvarez usually played when Kevin De Bruyne didn't play. And that was 100% correct. He started in all the 10 matches that De Bruyne didn't play. Alvarez started in every single one of them. And he played 90 minutes in 7 out of those 10 matches. And he played 60-plus in pretty much every single one as well. 822 out of 900 minutes in total he got when uh, Kevin De Bruyne didn't play last season. He scored 6 goals, which is like pretty good for for someone not named Holland or Salah in the league. And... Five of those matches were post Man City winning the league as well, so that might play into the minutes thing. Maybe, maybe he's not as secure as a starter without Kevin De Bruyne as those numbers might suggest. Because a lot of those fixtures were after they had already won the league and they were playing like a weekend side, just because they wanted to play like a stronger side in the FA Cup and uh, the Champions League. But, but yeah, what do you make of uh, Kevin De Bruyne out and then potentially Alvarez or Foden in? Because there are not that many City players to go by now until they sign someone else, because they are after Lucas Paqueta, they are after Jeremy Doku as well, at right wing. So what do you think of the Man City options, apart from Holland? Yeah, I mean, I think... only issue with Alvarez is no issue. I love him. I think he's the, one of the best uh, attacking players in, in the world. Uh, like, I think he can genuinely become as good as Holland and all this type of stuff in terms of goal scoring and stuff. And there are aspects where he is even better than Holland. Mm-hmm. However, the my it's, biggest issue with him is if you have both, it's just going to cost so much. Like, it's not like, oh, it's additional fun in that regards because there might be a game where they both only score a goal and stuff like that. Like, it sort of becomes a headache because then you have two players from the same position in a position where you can only pick three if you're going to start three forwards and stuff like that i like to spread my bet so like i like if i could pick 
let's say, for example, Holland, Isak, Cuphead, or Jackson, whoever, right? Just three players from three different teams. Yeah. I don't like doubling up. I didn't want to double up with Martinelli. It's just Arsenal's fixtures suggested that I should. And yeah. it worked out. Like, I got the assist and stuff. Um, but I think it's, it's a super worthy punt. Because regardless of what he does and plays, he he's he gets a goal, he gets an assist, he never explodes for the hat tricks or the stuff that I know that he's capable of, but he is very dependable. So if you just want sort of like the Harry Kane effect, where a guy is just scoring all the time, eventually it adds up being like, oh shit, he scored twenty league goals this year. So for that reason, a hundred percent, I think he's a good option. Um, I still think Guardiola is a good option. Yeah. Because he's week. gonna get a lot of minutes. I think it was an anomaly that he didn't play against uh, Earnley. He's gonna get a lot of minutes, especially considering the fact that Laporte might be going for fifteen mil, which pisses yeah. me off yeah. to no end and all this type of stuff. So yeah, I think yes, he's a good option. Yes, I think Foden's a good option too because they're just losing players left and right uh, in different positions and stuff like that. I even think Palmer might be given more of a chance now. This is yeah, two. He scored against Sevilla now. Like yeah, the, exactly. The That's goals. two out of three three matches for City that where he scored, and both in cup finals, Super Cup finals, sort yeah. of thing, as well. So I think Palmer could, and if he's in, going to West Ham, <laughs> you I, know, I take in terms of happily. Like other thing, I think he'd be worth looking at because I think Palmer's one of those players that. Even when he got to play in the Champions League, he scored as well. So mm. he just keeps scoring. He's just one of those guys that needs to get more minutes. So if Palmer starts getting minutes, it's an easy option for you as well. Maybe a cheap enabler. Yeah. Whether he plays for West Ham or he plays for, for City, he's only 5.0. So yeah, he's a really good option to score again against Sevilla. And you said Guardiola might be getting more minutes. And uh, he, he is getting more minutes actually right now because they are just going into extra time now. <laughs> they, it ended 1-1 after full time. For City, so Guardiola he started the match and he's going to play in extra time as well, most likely. Because they've only made one change. That's the thing with Guardiola as well. Like even though they have a lot of matches and they have a lot of options, he just keeps the same team for the for the entirety of the match, most mostly. He's only done one sub, and that's Cole Palmer for Alvarez with like ten minutes left to play. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the extra time. But obviously, anyone listening to this know already what happened in that game. But, but yeah, some interesting fixtures. It's also interesting to see Chelsea and Man City at the top of the fixture ticker. Uh, those teams have some really interesting players. Most of us only have Holland and Chilwell at most, really, from those teams. So if you have more than, than those two players, that could get interesting. And speaking of having more than those two players, we can move on to the weekly wildcard draft, which is something that I do every week on Wednesdays, where I select basically the best squad to have from now and the next four to five game weeks and then potentially beyond as well. And in this team, I have two City players and two Chelsea players, so I don't have three from either team. I have two attacking City players, two defensive Chelsea players, which is kind of interesting as well. But uh, I can just run through the team quickly for anyone listening. So in goal, we have Sanchez, who starts in goal for Chelsea currently, before they get a new goalkeeper, potentially. Ariola as the backup goalkeeper. It could be Ariola or Turner, uh, to be honest. Then in defense, it's Chilwell, Estepinian, Henry, Odogi for Spurs, and then Kabore for Luton. Then we have Saka, Mbuemo, Madison, Diaby, and Salah in midfield. Still have Salah because he's the captain, and like we said, potentially beyond the, the game week three as well, or game week three and beyond, he could be good still as well. 
And then we have Holland Alvarez as a striker and Joe Pedro as a striker. So I don't have Nick Jackson. He's the one I probably would like to get in. Probably for the game week three, uh, weekly wildcard draft, I'm getting him for Joe Pedro and getting the money somehow from someone else. But, but yeah, uh, I'm going to ask you the same two questions basically when we do the podcasts most weeks. And that's out of the 15 players that I just mentioned in the team, is there anyone that you're a bit concerned about when it comes to either minutes or being a good option or, or anything like that? And then the second question is, is there any player not in the team that you would like to see in the team that you think should probably be in consideration? I mean, I think currently all the players look perfectly fine. I mean, you made a glowing case for Alvarez. Uh, obviously, I like spreading my bets. So yeah. Watkins is the one that I would have recommended or... Okay. Uh, potentially Watkins, have... Watkins would be Watkins and Diaby though so that would be doubling up as well yes the only difference is that for me Watkins is 100% nailed I'm not 100% sure uh, about Alvarez being nailed especially now mm-hmm. that considering the fact that he's played uh, or has he no he hasn't played today right he came on and with 10 minutes left so he's playing now as... extra time yeah, so he's actually fine. Never mind. Uh, it's yeah. okay. But in terms of, I'm okay doubling up in terms of having a midfielder and a striker from the same team. I don't like doubling up when it's both in the same position, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So, for example, I wouldn't have Chilwell and Reese James. I'd have one or the other. Yeah. I, I don't like the fact that I'm doing Saka and uh, Martinelli. Martinelli, for example. So, that's that's all I meant. Maybe you know, obviously, Isak, who we both love, is another one. Is the fixture proof and all this type of stuff that remains to be seen. But uh, for the week, I think this is as good as it gets. So yeah, looks good. Yeah, so it just seems like the one change you would potentially do is Alvarez to to someone like Watkins or potentially even Nick Jackson. We mentioned him as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's probably the one one change, but yeah, Alvarez. I'm still a bit unsure. Like it's I've I've like said that Alvarez could be a really good option, but I've gotten a lot of pushback on Twitter and stuff that oh he's probably not as that's good. And I know people are not as happy with him as like the number ten, number eight sort of role compared to as a striker. So so yeah, maybe it's safer to go with someone like Watkins or Jackson. But I don't know. I really like Alvarez. And I think he could be a really good player. So what what do you think about the Alvarez thing? You seem to have a reaction there. Oh, it's actually straight What's to the penalties. Player? Damn it. I thought it was. Yeah, extra there's time. no extra time. Damn it. Yeah, so, and I'm missing Damn it. it. Uh, I'm I'm shocked about this. Hold on, which you can't me. see. What's that? Is that uh, Endo. Endo to Liverpool, yeah, potentially. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Stuttgart are really popular at the moment, it seems. <laughs> but it's just more that, uh, yeah. 100% this is the biggest opportunity of his career and all this stuff. He's not that young either, right? Uh, and I, I don't think so, but I don't I don't really know. But yeah. Uh, no, just because I think Endo is a great player. So that to me is just like, um, I was quite shocked by that. But I think, look, I think no one should doubt um, what this guy is capable of in terms of uh, Julian Alvarez and great penalty taker as well so maybe i've jinxed him in case he misses but <laughs> yeah i i think julian alvarez can shoot with both feet can pass with both feet he's a quality player i think people are just giving pushback because they're not aware of his playing time but considering the fact that he assisted in gaming one as well 
he's not the worst pick, definitely. Yeah. Let's move on to the next thing, which is your gimmick two plants. And you don't really have any plants because you're planning on just doing no transfer. And the one thing that we could discuss, I guess, is that you've benched Onana and you're playing Turner. And that's simply due to the fixtures, I assume, because Onana is playing Spurs yeah. away and Turner is playing Sheffield United at home. Couldn't really ask for much like more, potentially like Liverpool or City away would be worse for Onana. But Sheffield United at home is basically the easiest match you can get as a goalkeeper. So, so yeah, what do you think? Um, what are you thinking with that? Alvarez just smashed his penalty top bins, by the way. So no worries there. But Bruce, um, yeah, I think there's a reason why I brought Turner in. I didn't think I didn't look that ahead to be honest but I knew Onana was going to play um, Spurs away and he was going to play Sheffield United at home obviously I kept track of him at the Gold Cup and a lot of Americans um, who seen Turner play football for the first time were like oh this guy's a sick goalkeeper but no I'm, I was aware of him being a decent goalkeeper he might regret it if Dean Henderson ends up going to Nottingham yeah, Forest potentially. Uh, he might as well just ridden in the bench and then David Rayo would never have come and all this type of stuff too but um, that's no worry for for gaming two though so that's that's fine for Turner he's going to start oh team. 100% yeah. yeah I think I think it's perfectly fine uh, I'm just a bit worried if anyone's not playing and I don't get any early team news and stuff like that that, that would really screw me over because I only have Archer yeah that's, that's true so yeah Holland got through the game without any injuries unless he takes the second penalty and gets injured during that but uh, apart from that I don't think any other players should have any issues for you um, but yeah uh, are there any players speaking of like players who might be on the, t- on the tightrope are there any players that you want to see more from in gimmick 2 or then you potentially sell them in gimmick 3 because I know there are a couple players that might be on the outs for gimmick 3 because we both think that saving a transfer in gimmick 2 is optimal because then you have two transfers so you can change your team way more in gimmick 3 for no hits required so any players that need to prove more to you in gimmick 2 for them to stay in your team in gimmick 3 onwards mm. Rashford and Martinelli yeah simple one i think they're also because they're the easiest to cut and also if arsenal can see it again they are just they can't keep a clean sheet so saliba can fuck off yeah and saliba can fuck off too chili 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 so yeah that would make my life a lot easier and obviously with martinelli that could also give me flexibility i mean if rashford sucks and son is hot fire then easiest transfer of my life so madison yeah i think salah is gonna bang Holland's going to bang and is a season keeper. Juan Pedro has been unlucky that he didn't score more than once. And Bremo, same thing. Um, Stupinian's obviously going to stay. Tarkowski could easily be one of the players who gets shifted out. Uh, but Everton do have some decent matches yeah, going do. forward. And obviously, I think once I get Chilwell in, it could be for buyer because if I get rid of Martinelli, for example, I'm going to have so much money left over yeah. so that I can stash Tarkowski for e- like definite easier matches. So for me, uh, I think it's just perfectly fine to keep it as is. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, for this game week, no transfers. I think that's the sensible thing to do. But we have a different uh, opinion. And uh, Kimo, who thinks it's sensible to do two transfers, take a hit for minus four. So mentioned previously in his uh, like when we looked at his score from last game week that he 
the, one of the last few things they did was doing Chilwell to Wambisaka and Madison to Martinelli, but he's reversing that now, 4 minus 4, to get Madison in for Martinelli and Chilwell in for Wambisaka. So basically he did this because he really wanted Chilwell. He, th- he thinks that Chilwell can get 12 points against uh, West Ham, uh, which I hope he doesn't, but... Uh, but yeah, and he was also sort of like price locked because Chilwell was about to go up in price. So he had to do this now or else he wouldn't be able to afford it. He really wanted Madison as well and he wasn't impressed with Martinelli. He was one of the ones that didn't like what he saw from Martinelli. Um, so yeah, he did the two transfers and a minus four. So what do you think of that? Do you think that's sensible in terms of what he could have done if he did transfers? Or do you think he should have just stick, stuck with his own team currently? What an utter scumbag. Um <laughs> Love is a minus, doesn't he? And now has gone behind me in FPL. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> just true. kidding. I'm just a little bit like, if if he could have done this, why didn't he just take out Buyer and uh, couldn't he have done Buyer and Martinelli and done Madison and Chola that way too before the price went up? Uh yeah, cause he had, no he he couldn't because he had point five in the bank before the transfers, so that might be a bit confusing. Because says, he got rid of Martinelli, right? He had point five in the bank and then he got point five more from doing Martinelli to Madison, and that leaves him with yes. one million to upgrade on Bissaka to Chilwell. So he has currently zero point zero in the bank. Okay, okay. So yeah, he had to sell Wambisaka, and he said just like, thanks for the 12 points, Wambisaka. I don't have faith in you in the future, both in terms of playing time and in terms of Man United defensively. He has a lot of faith in Chilwell, and at the same time, he liked a lot more what he saw from Madison than what he saw from Martinelli. And I think it's also kind of just the fact that he was really close to having Chilwell and Madison from Game 1, and he kind of wanted to rectify that, I guess. But at the same time, I think because uh, Martinelli got uh, 5 points and Wambisaka got 12 points, that's 17 points. Madison got, what, 9 points? And Chilwell got five, so he did earn three points from that that move anyway. Man City just won the shootout, by the way. Um, but um, So he did gain three points from that. So he's technically only losing one point from not having Madison and Chilwell from the start. But he's also losing a transfer. So, so yeah, uh, I think he wishes that he had Madison and Chilwell just from the get-go. But either way, that's that's Kimo. He is going more aggressively and just trying to chase like the best players all the time. So... It's going to be interesting to see because you guys had pretty much the same team before uh, before now. And now he's made two transfers. Well, technically, he made one transfer that you don't have, Wambisaka. But then again, that leaves him without a Man United defender at all because you have Onana. He, does, he still has Pickford as the older goalkeeper. He also elected to start with Turner over Pickford. And it seems like most people are actually going with Turner over their starting goalkeeper in general. But, but yeah, he also has Salah captain. He has faith in him. And uh, there's one more Salah captain question I'm going to get to, but that's when we talk about the manager of the week. He does not have Salah, but he has Holland, and he triple captain Holland last week for 13 points. So is there any part of you that wants to go like massive differential? I know you are more into single game week triple captaincy than me. Is there anything that makes you tempted to go Salah triple captain? Because I think this is like the most like in terms of like projected potential points and the low ownership of the player. This is like one of the best opportunities to triple captain someone who could get a lot of points, but is still not that highly owned. But it seems like you're not going to think about that for a second, even. You've been burned in the past at the 9-0, so, and I hate Liverpool, so no. Yeah, that's not an option. I would rather triple captain 
Lukaku at Spurs than I would uh, Mo Salah. So yeah, fair enough. No, that's a lie. I wouldn't <laughs> triple captain Mo Salah. It's just more that it's too early, man. It's game week two. Yeah, and there's going to be double game weeks. That's that's the thing for me. I'm I always want to captain someone in a double game week. I've had a lot of success actually the last few seasons with uh, the triple captaincy. Uh, last season I did Rashford for 25 times 3, which is 75 points. Uh, yeah. Before that I had uh, the Bruyne, I think, for, uh, what is it, 16 or 18 points times 3. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm saving that for a double game week. Most likely hold on this game week, or this uh, this year, because I didn't captain him last year, it was Rashford. But either way, no one, neither one of us is going for triple captain Salah, and I don't think you should anyway but if you are the one that is chasing the number one rank in the world if you're really high up there already maybe you use the bench boosting and make one and you're really close to number one maybe then i would potentially think about doing triple captain Salah. but other than that i'd stay away from triple captain as well captain is more than enough because most people like the manager of the week don't have Salah. but speaking of the manager of the week we have uh, someone without turner in goal he has onana on the bench, which is my suggestion, this is not. I haven't discussed this with the manager of the week because I don't have contact with him. If you yeah. are watching right now, Hustler and Gubu, if that is your real name <laughs> or if that's how you pronounce your name, uh, <laughs> please get in touch as well. Like it would be fun to to chat and stuff about your team. Uh, but yeah, does not have Turner in goal, but that is one of the potential transfers that I have suggested. So again, I always say you should keep your same team and just get two transfers in game three, and I think that counts for this team as well. Aurier on the bench against Sheffield United at home. You could get the Turner coverage from that, I guess, with the starting Aurier, potentially. But I think the starting 11 is, is fine as well. Some question marks yeah. for game 3 Erdogan depends how his role is with the team, with Harvards and stuff. Uh, Isak, I think, is fine. He's going to be good, and his fixtures is going to be, become good as well. So I would not sell Isak. But well back on the bench, like we discussed with the, the previous score. That's also the other transfer that I'm suggesting. Potentially well back to Joe Pedro if you want to get someone a bit cheaper. This uh, manager of the week has 0.5 in the bank as well. So you could even do Welbeck to Ferguson. Because Ferguson came on and looked so much better than Welbeck. And I think Ferguson is one of those like overlooked players currently in FPL. So it's also an option. But what would you do if you were this manager in terms of who do you start? And do you do any transfers with the current players that he has? Um, yeah, I think the suggested ones are perfectly fine. I would, uh, yeah, I think, I think Pedro to Welbeck makes the most sense, but then it becomes a question of who he wants to bench and all this type of stuff. But mm. I think Saliba being benched for uh while Pedro wouldn't be the worst shout in the world mm. to be honest. Uh and yeah, um also uh, just keep an eye out of whether Akanji is gonna play or not. Um, yeah. but and also if you have Isaki and Akanji is, is there any point in that? Um so um so yeah I think that's the only things that I would suggest I think or just banking it because his eleven looks good as it is. It's just a question of I'm not the biggest fan of Lano against Brentford, yeah. and I'm not a, the biggest fan, obviously, of Onana. Uh, first, so. And if, if I were to start one or the other, I think maybe Onana, because there might be a lot of saves there. Uh, I think Brentford are just going to score a lot. So, yeah, I think I think the suggested uh, transfers are the best options, or just staying put. Yeah, 
So the, the one suggested transfer is the goalkeeper transfer, either Onana or Leno to Turner, and then you can start Turner against Sheffield United. You could also do, like you yeah. said, that you don't know about Akanji and Isak at the same time, so maybe you could bench one of them for Aurier. Would you do that, you think? If you stay, stay with I think team? I would. Yeah, yeah so I think for I would. Akanji, uh, most likely? Or? Yeah. Especially exactly. with, no t- with, with no team league news, I'd probably do that in general, just because uh, you don't really know if Akanji is going to start or not. So... So yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the, the more sensible thing to do. Just get Aurier in for Kanji and then you get that clean sheet against Sheffield yep. United most likely, uh, either way. Uh, but yeah, if you were to sell one of the goalkeepers though, Onana or Leno, who would you sell? Because you get one more million if you sell Onana, but then you have Leno and Turner as your starting goalkeepers or as your two goalkeepers. So what would you lean towards there? I'd keep Onana. I think Onana yeah. has proven that he's a quality goalkeeper and... United have shown that they have a shit defense, so there's going to be safe opportunities. So, yeah, um, I think if it's it all depends on what the priority is. If the priority is to save some money, then obviously there are good 4.5 options available. But I think, yeah, you could easily just swap Leno to Turner and then have a good, decent little rotation there. Um, yeah, I think those that's the best option. Yeah. Uh, so that was the manager of the week. This week, if you want to be the manager of the week, maybe you, you mean Kevin, because you're in the in our league as well. So maybe you get to be a manager of the week. But we do talk. Not about if it. I'm gonna fucking meet players who triple captain game week one. Fuck. <laughs> and some but, asshole's gonna triple captain Salah, and I'm gonna be pissed off when it works. Yeah, maybe. We'll we'll see about that. But. <laughs> Either way, you don't have to be manager of the week for us to talk about your team. But yeah. if you are watching this and you want to be, you want us to discuss your team at some point this season, then join our league because you can become manager of the week and we talk about your team, like your past score for the game week and the next game week and talk about your team in general and what you can do moving forward. Uh, before we move on to that, because yeah, you can join our league. That was the promo thing. V9JT0D. Just as a final thing, this is your final word because that's usually what I leave you with in, in this podcast. But... For this team in Gaming 3, if you bank the transfer in Gaming 2, what would you look into doing in Gaming 3? Because we need to give some more advice to this manager of the week. What is like the things that you're looking at with this team? Okay. I would look into maybe replacing either Rashford or Odegaard, depending on which like player doesn't pass the eye test and whether there are some players that are streaky. Like if Madison goes crazy against United, I think he's an easy one for him to bring in. Uh, I also think if Son goes does well, then there's that. If Richarlison plays well, I mean, Richarlison's a striker position at midfield. So there's some interesting options that I feel that he could buy into. Um, I also think Welbeck getting rid of him might be the mm. best option maybe even looking into um like doing a if he if he keeps his transfer looking into Welbeck and being turned into Watkins and one of these other guys turned into a 6.5 possibilities are endless but I think the biggest thing that he's got going for him is that he has a lot of options in terms of keeping like they're you know this is the thing about uh no solid team you you have a better bench you have a better flexibility and all this type of stuff but so do we when we eventually sell Salah if we sell Salah mm. um, but I generally speaking really like this team and it, it's the most important thing that it's done is in most positions except for Garnacho, Rashford and 
Saka Odegaard, it has a mix of all the different teams and stuff like that. So that's where I think I try and differentiate maybe turning one of these guys into a Madison or uh, potentially a Watkins if, or even Juan Pedro. Because it's what's the price difference between Welbeck and Pedro? Uh, Welbeck is 6.0 and Pedro is 5.5. So it's 0.5 difference. That would leave him at 1 million in the bank. Exactly. So e- easy fix, for example. So, yeah, mm. I think those are definitely the considerations. Or, yeah, but what what do I know? You, I have less points than this guy. Why am I giving him advice? <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, I have less points as well. But if I was going to give some advice, maybe just looking at this, could potentially do the transfer gimmick too. Uh, the goalkeeper transfer, where you get Turner as the starting goalkeeper for Leno. You save 0.5 from that doing that as well, and then you. Potentially don't do a transfer in gaming three, and then you have two transfers for gaming four. That's also an option uh, that this manager could do, uh, or you could yeah. just do one transfer every game week as well potentially. But uh, I think that might be something to look into because Welbeck is not the best player, but it's also a nice entry point to either go with Joe Pedro or go up to someone at seven point zero, for example, Nick Jackson, or go sideways to someone like uh, Evan Ferguson, or that's point five more. Uh, so yeah, I think you have some options there. As you can see from the suggested transfers, I think that is something that I would look into, whether it's gimmick two, gimmick three, gimmick four, or it's two transfers and gimmick three, or whatever you want to do. I think, uh, yeah, doing well back to a different striker is priority number one, and then also just watching Erdogan and seeing if his role is the same as last season, because now he has a more attacking midfielder next to him, mostly with uh, Havertz or Trossard potentially even as well. So I think those are the the main suggestions for me. Akanji, not that fussed about selling him. I think he's going to start quite a few matches. City had really good matches as well. And he has a decent bench. So I don't think Akanji is that big of a problem, even though he's like more like that an out-there pick compared to everyone else. But he has Chilwell, he has his Dipinion, Rashford, Saka, Poland. He has like the main hits, Mitoma as well. Mitoma is also someone who gets tougher fixtures, but... I don't know, Brighton, I think Brighton, especially what they showed against Luton, I think they are they are the danger, as uh, Walter White once said. <laughs> like They don't really have to be afraid about the tough fixtures. The tough fixtures have to be afraid of them, kind of thing. So, so yeah, but any last words? I always give you the last words. So any last words before we end this podcast, Kevin? Fuck Ollie Watkins. And fuck all these content creators who are like, oh, Ollie Watkins, such a big deal, blah, 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 blah. Before... <laughs> They were not thinking about this until Nkunka and all these other guys got injured. Then all of a sudden, he's a premium option. You know what? Fuck that. I hope Everton win. That's my final thing. Take care. You, Goodbye. You say after saying that Watkins is one of the guys you would like to have, but I digress. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs>